Welcome to the July edition of Sleeping with the Moon. Today we are off to the Severn Estuary, to a tiny village called Littleton on Severn, which has become known as Whale Wharf because of a visitor it had in 1885. Around that time, I was going through challenging times with a friend and his life. And his story started to weave into the story of the whale with the tidal flow, the in and out of the sea and the in and out of the breath of life. Listen out for some beautiful music, Haunting and Serene, by Lizzie Tucker on double bass. A piece called Pains of Sleep by Julian Leakes. And our dear friend Samuel Taylor Coleridge for his poem of the same name. The stretch of North Somerset coast that runs from south of Western Supermare to the old Severn Bridge in South Gloucestershire, including Portis Head's salt marsh, provides a rich and varied ecosystem to a multitude of wildlife all year round, including many wading birds such as Dunlin, Redshank, Ringed Plover, Black-tailed Godwit, Shellduck, Teal, Pintail, Curlew and Shoveler. The estuary itself is an essential migration route for many fish, including sprat, whiting, sand goby, poor cod, dover sole, pout, bass, salmon, flounder and dab. At the end of July 2021, I set out for Whale Wharf in Littleton on Severn on the banks of the estuary whose tidal rise is the second highest in the world, whose waters bring huge cargo vessels into the port of Avonmouth. July's full moon was given the name of the Buck Moon when new antlers emerged on male deer. Other First Nation tribes called it the Salmon Moon and Thunder Moon. Late July had been a challenging time as a very good friend, who I'd shared many soul-searching lockdown walks, was going through a difficult time and about to launch off to Scotland for a few days hiking alone. Thursday evening, in his back garden, brightened by the light of the moon that rose like shining phosphorescence from behind the neighbour's house, was a special night of moon-watching, stories of past, present and yet to come. Musical star-gazing apps and deep-felt moments. The next morning I took off to the Seven Coast for my full moon overnight Friday-Saturday experience. On Sunday I bought a painting of a humpback whale that had been floating in my mind observing me with its large intelligent eye ever since seeing it a month before. The same day I sent a photograph to my Scotland-bound friend, wishing him well. Have a whale of a time, my Berwick brother, kiss. 
Will do, my marvellous moonwalking mate. That really is a beautiful picture. Kiss. On Monday, he made his way north, and north again, to the east coast of Scotland. On Tuesday, I sent him a text. How was your overnight pod, Jimmy? Kiss. I never received an answer. His phone had gone silent. That Thursday night proved to be my last few hours with him. And since his tragic departure, the image of the stranded whale at Littleton on Severn and my friend's circumstances have fused inextricably in my mind. Early in the morning of January the 5th, 1885, Bella Dernal left her cottage on the coast of Littleton on Severn, her curiosity raised by something she saw floating in the pill when opening her curtains. It was high tide, but the mud bank of the inlet seemed higher than usual, so she went to investigate. As she got closer, she started believing what she thought her eyes were seeing, the huge body of a beached whale being washed by the rippling waves. Over the subsequent three weeks, people travelled from far and wide to see the 69-foot baleen whale. The Midland Railway put on special trains to Thornbury. People flocked from Paddington and an estimated 48,000 people visited the site, which immediately became known as Whale Wharf. Hoardings were erected and a penny was charged to speak to Bella Dernal and a further penny to go to the bank and see the whale, most likely a common raucal fin whale, although there's little mention of its exact species. The bold or foolhardy who wanted to venture further were invited to step inside its 12-foot mouth where they could get their hair cut at the pop-up barbers. After a fortnight, its odour had become ripe, a reporter for the Dursley Gazette. Those who stood to the leeward and into whose faces the spicy breeze from the monster blew held their noses and manifested in a very demonstrative manner that their olfactory organs were in no way delightfully tickled. Albury fisherman Hector Knapp wrote, There was a whale come ashore at Littleton Pill and bid there a fortnight. The Queen claimed it at last and sold it for forty pound. The whale ended up in St Philip's Marsh, Bristol, where it was exhibited to thousands more for a further fortnight. It was then made into fertiliser and its bones were given to the British Museum. But the North Somerset coastline is not limited to one whale story, as William Mabel, the founder of Western Museum in 1861, carted a beach whale to his garden, where it was buried. Nature took its course, the bones were dug up and displayed in the museum. So I sauntered to the inlet, where the whale was washed ashore centuries before. Low tide, 
brown dyed, water sediment stirs and sloops with the cutting and slicing of salmon-pooled dorsal fin, taking the fly with chevron ripple wake. Now the catchers, rather than the court, when willow putcher baskets gaping wide were ranked and stacked against the ride of Seven's ebbing, alongside funnel-shaped catching kipes sledged down at low tide. Pink-beached flowers watch the upstream swimmers from their terrace-bank gardens as white clover nods in approval towards the mighty-lunged, gillyfin kind. I scour the banks and bushes for a safe sleep spot away from the lurching of curious cows who slide and skid on green-swathed shelves of land as I gather driftwood for dark time's fiery light. I wander along the water's edge, looking for a sheltered haven, out of the wind, where I can sink below the surface swirl of billowing wind. The old bridge is straight ahead, the drawbridge down, spanning the moat that divides, defines and connects the lands of daffodil and rose. The sky an ocean of ever-thickening cloud. Silent cars pulsate, skating across with headlights aglow. Darkness seeps between the cracks of land, sea and Empyrean sky as the bridge ignites into light and I tuck into a snack and warming dram. The fire is difficult to start, even with cotton wool, paper and kindling against the hungry wind that whips and rips along the coast. When the fire has caught and fully laden with comestibles, combustible, I remove my shoes and clothes to tread carefully towards the retreating estuary. In dim light, the warmish water is thick soup brown, a silty mix of fresh river and seasoned sea that ferments a vital concoction for winter grazers and late-night summer bathers. I had been warned of offshore currents, and as I slip into the ankle-deep muddy ooze, I realise that a swim will be much further out than I thought. One foot forward slides deeper, sinking further. The tide recedes, with me still seeking the required depth. I'm now up to my knees, wading punch-drunk on the blustering wind, rather than the nip of bushmills, that wraps and binds, blowing me off course, making me teeter from side to side as I try to get a toe-grip in this subaqueous slippage. Looking back to the shore, the fiery flames are gusting, deranged, whipping insane the height of a tree. And as I slither and slide out even further with the water over my thighs, the wind blowing me off balance, the giddy, dizzy waves rolling towards me, befuddling, and the toe of the undercurrent, my mind reels, my body sways, the whale flounders, my friend falls, my arms clutching at hoped-for non-existent support, 
How much further do I need to stagger before swimming? The static bridge stabilises my vertiginous mind and my wobbling legs obey. And after a moment of clarity, I retreat to the safety and sanity of land. The licking tongues crave for dry wood fodder. I dab a towel on my torso and arms before wrapping it around my waist. The wind chills and dries, and with cotton shirt, toweling skirt, and warming cloth bag hat, I jump, howl and gyrate with the flames, but there is no lunar light to see me in my full moon lunatic fashion. North wind tears down the coastal line, rip, tide, sluicing out to sea. Street lamps set the Welsh shore alight. Fire smoke runs, watering eyes. Power plant hums electric waves further upstream. Estuarine ooze dries, moulds and cracks between my toes. A metallic stone, gifted by the hidden moon, drops at my clay-toasting feet. City searchlight scans, pulsing, lasering the clouded banks. A blue flash destined for England races soundless over an outstretched arm. In fathomless sky, I hear the call of wild flight. North and southwards travelling cars skim across the estuary, pulled home by the current tide. I let the fire peter, its remaining licks dampened and suffocated by saturated seaweed and the ringing of a solitary wet sock, replenished in the salted fresh water. I gather my bag an hour before midnight, under the shrouded moon, obscured by a call, a brooding cloud, and wander, now more modestly dressed towards the brighter sky of Bristol and the edge of my barley field bed. From the polar regions and feeding grounds of Alaska to the warmth of the equatorial fringe, riding the monsoon drift of the Indian Ocean into the breeding and carving grounds of tropical water, the whale followed the moon's flight across bottomless seas and shallow bays, warm waters and cooler climes. And when she descended in the sky, he rose to the surface to see her luminous face more clearly, closely, where the horizon kissed the watered sea, and he would sing to her of his kind. Fathoms deep, migration tide, swimming seas, riding flow. We circle navigate earthly blue by current and reef. Submarine song, we sing, cetacean, chanting days, symphonic sound. Mutual feelings hear our breath from half a mile 
ecstatic dance we find our mate, considered birth with ocean's plight. For eons have we swum, sung this globe miraculous. He would dive fathoms deep to bring her pearls from the bed, spraying them high into the sky to illuminate her waxing path. And at the height of her full round promised flight, he would slap foam cresting waves and they would dance together in her bewitching light. He rolling, breaching, exposing his streamlined shape. And when she waned, he would shower salted tears as her ever diminishing glow faded across the darkening sky. But he always knew that she would always return. I stumble across hoof-hollowed ground where cows have sunk, rain-soaked mud squeezing between cloven hooves. The elevated Seven Way winds me back towards the orange-lit industrial estate that hovers between the wild and tame, where the sculptured shine of the bulbous whale-head reflects the lamplight's glow. A shrill two-note bird calls darting the night, piercing the darkening wind. Sluicing water tumbles to meet the sea as I hover between wake and sleep. It's time to peg the bivy under duvet-layered clouds, above the teeming reen of wag-tongue reeds. On the ditch's edge I lose my footing and fall down the bank. I clamber up from the swooning moisture to lie between the stalks of rustling barley. It's time to dream deep in the sack. I lie in the field selvage, my mind fretting of an early morning scramble to outwit the tractor with its harvesting tool. Wind-breath waves move the barley as I drift hypnotic into the shallow sleep, then hover in the liminal between anonymous submergence and a return to the known of wakefulness. Tiredness lulls, I sink into silent waters, the whale descends softly, slipping down out of sight, wrapped in grey-blue chagrin. Drops drip onto my whale skin. I stir without a name, rising through the mesh of my overhead net to hear the rustling of ocean barley waving in the tinge of orange sky lamplight. There is no moon. The wind stirs, the rain ensues, storm winds swell, capsize calling. I bundle a bivy of sea-sucking into my bag and wade through the drenched stalks of barley rain. Dripping trees keel under the sea wind's current and passing the tumultuous roar of sluicing gates towards carved boat shelter, I swash towards the wailing of dreamtime, the thunder moon approaching.
In winter, the whale would hug the Pacific coast, then ride the west wind drift ever eastwards, hanging on to her tresses of hypnotic, longed-for light. And then one summer, he waited for her in the warmer breeding grounds, crooning her name. And she came with belly full round, and then two offspring were born with luminous eyes and lustrous shine, one of the sky and one of the sea. And he would sing to her of his mind. I will hold you, I will care. We will bathe in calmer waters to witness wonders of our world as we swim side by side. Stormy seas lie ahead, shipwrecks sunk in darker waters. We will rise to face the challenge as we swim side by side. We will summon strength and courage as we flourish and we rise until our tide comes in to greet us as we swim side by side. I peg the bivvy alongside the car and sleep like a whale calf to its mother's side under a lime tree's partial shelter with the increasing threat of brewing storm churning overhead. The drops continue and increase. I wriggle out of my sack, pulling up the bivvy, mat and casing of my outer skin, scrunching it damp into the boot of the car whilst carefully unravelling the still dry sleeping bag from inside. After an age of wriggling and resettling, pushing back the chair and reclining the seat, I finally come to a comfortable L-shaped position with my fluke-tailed feet on the driver's chair. The rain falls on the flotsam of my lime-leafed glass ceiling and windscreen, awash with the wind gifts of nighttime. More rain falls and I am underwater, looking up into the windfall that floats on the surface of my submerged lime tree bower. Flowers, petals, seeds, drift twigs, wind drops. My grey coloured car, now splashed, rinsed and drenched with a downpour on every side, becomes the body of the whale and me, its wide glass eye, looking out from the world of its wet, safe dwelling. I plug my ears from the bluster of the bragging wind and all is numbed as I quietly sink helpless below into the recumbent dream sleep of the whale salted with the words of my absent friend and his lonely sufferings. Remorse, sorrow, self-reproach, pangs of conscience and disbelief that waked him in the dark of night and clouded his daytime thoughts.
Air on my bed, my limbs I lay, in humble trust mine eyelids close, with only a sense of supplication, that I am weak, yet not unblessed. But yesternight I prayed aloud, in anguish and in agony, of shapes and thoughts that tortured me, sense of intolerable wrong, still baffled and yet burning still, deeds to be hid which were not hid, for all seemed guilt, remorse or woe, my own or others still the same, life stifling fear, soul stifling shame. Sleep, the wide blessing, seemed to me distemper's worse calamity. The third night, when my own loud scream had waked me from the fiendish dream, overcome with suffering strange and wild, I wept as I had been a child. Such punishments, I said, were due the horror of their deeds to view. But wherefore fall on me? To be loved is all I need, and whom I love, I love indeed. I dream, lost at sea, drifting, oarless, listless, deep water darkness threatening, choking clouds unfathomable, grey-green deluge menace hanging. I dream of the morning woman pulling her sky clouds apart, revealing the bloating bulk of the beached whale. I dream of being born into the sea, taken by the high tide. I dream of the whale that swims through sailing clouds, vanishing, appearing, vanishing. I dream of my friend, falling, lying, waiting to be found by the woman of early morning. Clouds engulfed the sky, and the moon vanished for many nights, the whale deprived of its leading light, disorientated, guiding star, out of kilter, it lost track of time. Week after week, the whale hugged rugged coastlines, peering from shallow waters with hope and despair, before plunging deep into the gaping mouth of ocean, begging to be swallowed. Her rising light and swelling form had been stolen from him, seized behind the wall of clouds, but his giant brain and wilting heart knew something had changed, for her constancy had altered. As he watched the sunset fade, pale and dim, he plummeted deep, slapping his flukes, threshing and thrusting his tail before rising to leave the water and break through the iced sheet of clouds just to catch one last glimpse of his beloved moon and hold onto the fading colours of the dwindling day before crashing back into the raw, chilled waters. 
Fighting against strong undercurrents, the creature wailed, howled and bellowed, spouting salt-stung tears. A moonstone fell from the heavens, the whale dived, gallons of seawater gushing, rushing down its flanks, down to deep, silent, hidden paths. And there the whale searched beyond its breath, lungs gasping, burning, heaving, rasping, before resurfacing, disorientated, still searching. Exhausted and dazed, it drifted, keeling, still searching to rest a while in calmer waters where the tide was rapidly retreating, unknown. Closing the light on the intelligence of its dilated eye, it floated, listless, aimless, lifeless. And as the water swiftly receded, the whale felt the burden of its blubber, the groan of its creaking bones, its bulk misshaping, falling, flaccid, its pleated mouth opening, spilling, its great weight collapsing, its shallow breath quickening. With one eye open, a translucent sheen of cloud revealed one dim star, hope flickered, and its tail twitched in the saline air. I wake to the song of blackbird and an early morning robin picking from the seabed windscreen. Peeling myself from my sack, I steam up the windows while sipping tepid tea. Slipping from my whale skin bag, pulling on my boots before heading for the shore. High tide morning, rippling inlet. Breakfast in swallows skim land and water with whistling calls. A dog plunges into the browning pill, followed by wet suit swimming early bathers. The higher tide has breached the lower beds as cows commune with lapping waves chewing on sweet salted seagrass. A crow surveys for the leftovers of an overnight tidal swept carrion takeaway. Seagulls gather, meditating in silent bobbing on the ease of undulating waves, as lulling swells sweep in like rolled carpet. Swift, curved bow-shaped wings glide over submerged ruminant pasture while seagrass waves to a pair of white-winged flies. My eyes scour the inlet, trying to determine where the whale was beached from the original photograph, thronged with onlookers posing for a long-shot camera. I throw a lengthy piece of driftwood, not quite the 69 feet of the whale itself, into the inlet to see where it settles. It rolls and reels until it lands on the southern bank. I imagined it on the northern bank, so I tried to reimagine its length 
from tail to head on both sides. I meet someone from Curlew Action, counting their numbers, explaining how habitat loss through farming, predatory foxes and crows, dogs, dog walkers, the lack of stringent signage and education are all contributing to their dwindling numbers. We both wait in anticipation for the call of the curlew, imbued with something of the other world, but patience alone will not bring it to us. The waiting reminded me of a friendly voice that I long to hear. I head off to Thornbury, its train station now long gone, where the excited crowds gathered for the sight of a lonely whale and treat myself to a warming breakfast after my night of estuary swooning, bank tumbling, rain falling, car sleeping and troubling thoughts. On the way, I get lost on a small back road diversion before finally re-emerging onto the main road from where I peer down onto the M5 and a washed up shoal of cars beached on tarmac, whilst the teeming life of the infinitesimal seven still flows free with its tidal wash. But before breakfast, I hunt for a bargain in a charity shop, soon putting them aside when my eyes catch sight of a second-hand community-run bookshop where book lovers hover to help with welcoming cordiality. I comb through section after section, novels, poetry, myths and legends, until I find anthropology and a turquoise spine jumps out at me, a book by Tom Lowenstein called Ancient Land, Sacred Whale. I pull it from its moorings, clutch hold tightly and make my way to the payment desk. Finding a suitable cafe with vegan breakfast and steaming mug of cappuccino, I open the book on the world of the Inuit, whose pages ring with the sacred song of a people who lived at Tikigak, close to an inlet on the Alaskan coast, surviving the long, dark winter in their semi-underground driftwood whalebone igloos. The Tikigak Peninsula was believed to be the body of a mythical whale, worshipped and hunted by a primal shaman. The whale lived on, part body, part spirit, and became the land. As I read, I see the mystical whale plunge, churning water, rising to break through the ice into a very real world where it sustained life. And as I digest, I reflect on how I will continue to remember my friend, bridging the gap between my memories and dreams and the everyday reality of my waking world. A place between water and land is where we'll stand together forever. Thanks today go very much to you, the listeners, for Pommy Harmer for producing this epic piece. Our thanks also to Lizzie Tucker, who played her bass so exquisitely 
beautifully haunting and atmospheric, creating so many wonderful, incredible sounds. Julian Leakes for his music, The Pains of Sleep, and of course to Samuel Taylor Coleridge for his influential and inspirational poem of the same title. <laughs> 